one more time, Jimmy. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jimmy Fallon. I'm oh, Stephen I Colbert. Thought, I'm Jimmy Kimmel. I thought when you said Jimmy, you meant me, Jimmy, but you meant Jimmy, Jimmy. I always you, mean you. But when you I say always Seth, mean, Seth Meyers, who do you mean? I mean John Oliver. It's the five of us together for uh, maybe an hour a, a day. Strike Force 5 is the name of our podcast. Subscribe to it now. Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts. But Spotify, you fucks. Okay, I gotta shut the door. I can't, do this anymore. I, can't, I can't fucking do this anymore, man. I can't. Yeah, hi, welcome. Hi, ha- happy to be here. Sort of. Sort of. I'm happy you're here. I'm happy to do this for you. I'm not so happy about what's about to take place here okay here's what's going on if you hadn't heard already the most useless fucking human beings on the planet writers television and movie writers have been on strike for months and according to the writers the writers believe it is in their opinion i know a lot of these writers by the way okay a lot of them i've been friends with them they've been on this show Long ago in the past, when we were still a terrestrial program, I had on the head writer of Saturday Night Live. I had on uh, one of the head writers of John Oliver. You know that show, Last Week Tonight? One of the head writers' name's Josh Gondelman. He's been on this program more than once. I've had on writers from The Tonight Show, Saturday Night Live, every late night show, Seth Meyers, Seth Myers. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I know a lot of these people. And it's in their opinion that they should write the shittiest fucking crap you've ever heard in your entire life. The worst. Forget just comedy. You know, I mean, I'm coming at this from a comedy perspective. But for, yeah, comedy's hard. You know what's easy? Writing a story. Because every story is the same. You just got to write the exact same story. It's about a white guy who saves a lady from a bad guy. It goes, uh, you know, he goes from a crazy, uh, humble beginning. He gets some magical power. He becomes the best. Oopsie doodle. Oopsie doodle. Something bad happens. It's not looking good. Boom. He saves the day. That's all stories. That's every single one. That's every religion that you believe in. Okay. And uh, somehow... These writers, and again, it's in their estimation that they should write a story, they should write a joke, and then they should be paid for that forever. For the rest of eternity, this would be the equivalent of you hire a plumber, and then every time you flush uh, your stinkiest shit down the toilet, you got to send them another 20, you know? You got to send them a check in the mail. It's in their estimation they should get paid for this crap forever now forget the part where they decided that stories are now what if the white guy was black is that a new story 
And the answer is no. And I know what you're thinking. Well, if a story is just a white guy saves a lady from a bad guy, if that's a story, then aren't they all the same? Yes. Yes, they're all the same. But there's only one good version. It's a white guy saves a lady from a bad guy. I, I don't know why. It's the only one with a resonance for your average person. Now, all of these companies are sitting there in the toilet. And again, I'm paying the plumber every single time here. They're all sitting there in the toilet going, how come nobody, how come nobody watch our show no more? <laughs> how come, how come nobody, how come all of our stream, how come there's a million streaming services and yet uh, nobody watch? How come Peacock don't work? How come nobody watch Mersh on Peacock? Now, obviously, there's an oversaturation of streaming services. I ought to know I am one. You're watching it right now. By the way, if you're in the Pizza Fund, this is the Pizza Fund chat here over my shoulder. Uh, Join the Pizza Fund to watch this full episode. If you're watching on YouTube right now, it's a free preview. We're going to do the whole thing in the Pizza Fund. Point is... There's a lot of streaming services out there. So how do they keep your attention? You know, how do they keep you as a customer? And as a nobody who has a pretty good number of customers and, uh, you know, a lot of people enjoy my streaming service, I feel like I have some insight on this. And the answer is produce content that the majority of people in the target demographic you have would like to see. So who is Netflix's target demographic? Who is Paramount or uh, Max's or Peacock's target demo? And I'm speaking purely from the streaming thing because I assume like you, TV is dead, right? Like we're all, do you watch TV? Do you watch the actual TV anymore? Have you channel surfed in the past five years? Have you actually sat there and went like this or even gone through the guide? I'm so old. I don't, I don't even, I stopped watching TV before the guide. So I actually hate the guide. I would go back to watching TV maybe without the guide. The second channel surfing became, you have to wait a minute for the next channel to load. I don't have to wait for a webpage to load anymore. What am I waiting for? Exactly. These satellites, man. I don't know. You would think they're so far away. It would take even longer, but they're all, we all know they're trapped underneath the dome with the rest of us. The point is, who are the demographics for these streaming companies, right? And I'll tell you who they are. Now, the, the streaming companies don't know. They think their demographic is everybody. Which isn't possible. You can't hit everybody. You should narrow it down. But let's just say, you know, each one of these streaming things, they have markets at the very least. Like, you can't access the Netflix stuff in America if you're in another country. I mean, obviously, you can with a VPN. And by the way, this episode is sponsored by Surfshark. But you know what I mean, right? So presumably, most of these companies are American. Presumably, their target demos are America. (laughs) Okay, again, they want to hit everybody, but somehow the people in Ryan, by the way, I was talking to Ryan today and Ryan brought up an interesting point because I don't want this to go into any anti-Semitic sort of racist tropes. It's already it leans too hard toward that as it is. And I'm not trying to do that at all. 
Um, K first says from a base on the moon with a face like a baboon. <laughs> okay, thanks. Um, thanks, thanks for being a member for one month, Kafer. Um, is it like a baboon? I thought it was more like a uh, a butthole. Um, the point is, you know, you think that uh, these guys. I'm talking to Ryan, and he's saying a lot of people, a lot of anti-Semitic types, believe Hollywood is run by Jews. Now, here's the thing. Actually, let me play this for you. He sent me a little voice message about this. I wasn't planning on doing this, but um, this actually just kind of goes into what I'm talking about here. Um, let me make I hope this is the one. I hope I don't play the wrong one here. Let's see. I'm not convinced that Jews really own the media. If they did, I feel like every channel would be like, yeah or some shit so yeah i kind of believe i'm actually with that like yeah if the jew if the media was fully run by jewish people then wouldn't it be a little more jewish you know i know there's a lot of jewish people in the media but wouldn't they be like you know shlemiel shlemazeling all over the place so there's there's this conspiracy theory out there that Jewish people have like made all commercials black. You know, there's always a, a mixed lady or a white woman and a black man in a commercial, and they've got mixed kids. It's always a McDonald's safe black woman where she has, you know, the loose curls. It's it's sort of an afro, but it's very loose curls. She's mixed, she's safe, she's Maddox's ex-girlfriend, Metal Jess who I think was actually in one of the McDonald's commercials. So there's this conspiracy theory that, you know, they're, they're trying to make it seem like America is much more diverse than it is and all this kind of stuff. I don't listen, whoever did that. I don't know who's behind that. I don't think it's Jewish people, but there is now this idea that like, you know, America is all black or Mexican or something like it's mostly. And of course the numbers come out every year. Oh, you know, white people will no longer be the majority by 2030 XT six. And you go, ah, ah. And of course white people were never the majority in the world. White people are the minority of the world. This is coming back to the writers. Don't worry. The point is Netflix, all these companies, you think they're like evil, right? They're making big mouth. They're trying to trans your children and stuff. They're confused. Everybody is confused. You probably believe it too. You probably look around your city and go, wow, there's a lot less white people nowadays. Wow, what? Ha where did all these people come from? And yeah, there's some truth. To, you know, obviously the borders aren't too secure. There's some truth to that. But in reality, you, the racist people out there, the people who still say that black people only make up 13% of the population. Now, I'm not going to bring up any other statistics when it comes to them. But if they make up 13% of the population, then they're still exactly where they were from slavery times, right? There's not more of them. But the TV makes you think there's more of them. The radio, if you somehow listen to the radio, the radio, you think like, oh, I guess everyone's black now. We just, oh, we listen to rap. We listen to rap. And of course, we listen to Nirvana, black people's favorite t-shirt. So think about it. You're Netflix. You go... Okay, I guess I'm making shows for black people now. I we have to. Everybody in America is black. It turns out. I don't know how we got confused into this, but everybody in America is now black. So, the writers, the writers are the same guys they were before. 
Jewish people and uh, white guys, right? Uh, there is a new element, and it is women. There's now women writers. So that is a big reason. Women can't tell stories. Have you ever sat there through your wife's tale? She'll, you come home from work, and your wife is like, you will not believe the day I had. And then you listen you know, about Tiffany, and then this happened. Her cousin was somehow involved, and you can't keep up. And you're like, what? This doesn't even make any sense, and this doesn't even seem to be going anywhere. It's a Tom Gully-style story where there is no ending. And then you get to the end and like, uh, my, listen, uh, I don't, if this has ever happened to you, this happens to me all the time. My wife is telling me a story and it turns out it was a dream, which is of course bad writing. So when you're watching these Netflix shows and you're like, oh, come on, it turned out to be a dream. That's how women tell stories. They have dreams and then they act like that happened to them. And it's something you need to care about. I wake up from a bad dream. I go, well... Time to move on. I guess a woman wakes up from a bad dream and it's going to affect the rest of your week. This is a real event that occurred to her. They, uh, they Google. Go through your wife's browser history. I recommend you just snoop on your wife as much as possible. I recommend you do this and tell me there's not horoscopes in there. Tell me that she's not looking up the meaning of dreams. What does it mean if I dream about a swan? It probably means you saw one while... Uh, sifting through TikToks by 13-year-old retarded girls doing dances. Oh, look, a swan. And that just locked in your head. But to her now, it means actually you're looking for a new type of freedom. I need an interpretation for the interpretation. So women are now writers, right? The Jewish guys, the white guys, a lot of Jewish guys, a few white guys, and a bunch of women now. They're all writers, and they're writing the worst trash ever. And so when you see Netflix cranks out another fucking steaming pile of shit where they have taken a real life historical white figure you know they never do this with Mansa Musa there's never there's never going to be the Mansa Musa as played by I don't know uh, Carl Urban story on Netflix when you see Anne Boleyn and she is you know chocolate when she's got Black girl magic now. When you're watching Snow White and now she's cold brown. The point is, it's not because of some nefarious plot. We've all been, we think, listen, back in the day, there were movies and shows that were for black people. Okay. And then everything else wasn't for white people. It was assumed that anyone could enjoy it. Maybe it was a mostly white cast. They never cast it based on like, oh, we need to get another, some diversity in here, right? We just assume like most people in America are white, right? So this is, these stories, it's never about being white though, but a black person's movie is about being black. Soul Plane, Barbershop. This is what movies and TV used to be. They would go, listen, we're fine to cater to you guys, but you're, you know, you're a fraction of the percentage of the people out there. So we'll make, if you want stuff based on you, that's fine. We don't care. We don't need, you know, the story of the Ku Klux Klan or whatever. We're good. We're good. I guess, you know, when we do something about Wall Street or um, any sitcom that takes place at a job site, the office is pretty racist when you think. I know there's black guys in it, but really a show about having a job, kind of racist. So... My point is they used to make these and now 
everything is that. This isn't a new phenomenon. It's just that now every TV show and movie is so plain. And you're sitting there going, oh, this is shit. It was shit then, too. It was always shit. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if black people even wrote those. I feel like Jewish people probably wrote those movies. And again, this isn't a racism thing. I think it's racist that, you know, Jewish people assume that they could write black stories or whatever. I think it's racist to assume that some white girl hired out of UCB at 23 has any clue on both story writing and the black experience, but that's who's writing these things. And they're just doing it because they think that's what's going to make them money. And then they keep seeing the money tanking and they go, how could this be? So they think they need to get paid for this shit forever. And the studios are going, we're not making any money and we don't understand what's going on. And so in the studio's opinion, they're going, uh, no, no. In fact, you deserve less money. And then the public perception, everybody's going, we actually agree with the studio. I know this is bizarre. You know, for years, the public perception is, oh, studio interference. We hate when they mess with stuff. But uh, we're kind of on their side on this one. You guys stink. Everything has sucked for 20 years. You just keep rehashing the same old shit. We're tired of the, even the consumers are tired of it. When the fucking, when the guys collecting Funko Pops of variants of Moon Knight are upset, you know you fucked up. You know it's a bad time. So the writers, they're not doing so hot, right? Now, what is the one place where despite all of their efforts of changing things back to the good old days? No, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, hang on. What is the one place where white people still have a stronghold? They've tried women, they've tried black people, they've tried Indian. There's probably been a transgender at this point. I don't know. What's the one place where white people still have a stronghold, a stranglehold on the industry? Well, of course, it is. I the name of our- Jesus Christ. It is the talk show, the late night talk show. And here we have five of the worst Late night. I wish this fucking shit wasn't on the screen. God damn it. Is there a spot in this video where there's not? There we go. So here we've got, um, we've got John Oliver. We've got James Kimmel. We've got Jimmy Fallon. This, uh, creature here at the top, which by the way, he's friends with Catan. So this might actually, we might need to explore Seth Meyers further here. And then maybe the biggest disappointment that's ever existed in the history of comedy, Stephen Colbert, a once great funny man. Kimmel actually too. Kimmel was once okay too. The rest of them, throw them in the garbage. These actually, I can't say, we're still on YouTube, so I can't say my opinion on the rest of them, but you can infer it. These are the worst human beings to ever host late night programs of any type. Uh, John Oliver, by the way, I don't know if his even cat, like somehow he got roped. They couldn't get Conan. You see, I've already done an episode about Conan in like 2018. I think for some reason, every news outlet, every medium believed that Conan invented podcasting in the year of our Lord 2018. So I did a whole show on that. Conan's been killing it with podcasts. I don't think they're great, but they're certainly better than this crap. And so these guys, they reached out to Conan and said, Conan, could you, you know, save us? And he said, I don't even have a show on television. I'm a podcast man. That doesn't make sense. So these guys got together because they can't do shows anymore. 
their Jewish, white, and female writers are all on strike. And they're like, we support you. And then while the, the, the company they work for, you know, NBC or HBO or whatever, behind their back, they're like, I, I'm so sorry. Can we just hire? I don't know. There's probably a guy on 4chan we could hire. It'd be a better show, really. If we did that, can we just get that guy? They're fine with scabbing 100%, but you've seen what happens. The, the, like two people who have done the scabbing thing are Drew Barrymore and Bill Maher, okay? And it has absolutely decimated them. So these guys, they needed to do something. Number one, they needed their faces and their voices still out there because they're egomaniacs. They just need you to, con- they think they've got something to say. Thank God we live in a world where James Corden still didn't have a show because I don't know that I could survive listening to this shitty podcast here today if James Corden was a part. Thank God he finally called it quits before this happened. So these guys put together this terrible podcast. They call it Strike Force 5, all right? And Strike Force 5, the reason it's called that, obviously, is because the writers are on strike and supposedly... You know, any of the money they're making off of this, which I don't know how they're making any money off of it. One more time, Jimmy. They don't seem to have like a Patreon or anything. I'm not sure if there's an ad. I guess maybe they have ads or something. I don't know. I haven't listened to it yet. But we're going to listen to it now. We're going to listen to it and we're going to try to survive it. We have this old series of shows called Surviving where we sit through some of the worst comedy, the worst content that has ever existed and see how long we can take it before I just have to call it quits. All right? So if you, it seems like I'm vamping a lot in the pre-roll, in the uh, intro, in the free preview here. It's because I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a part of this. This is going to suck. But I have to hear it. I have to do this to myself. Because, it, listen, this is my industry, right? When guys like this start polluting my industry... I have to at least dip my toe in. And one of the most exciting things to happen in all this is right when they come out and don't tell me I accidentally got rid of this. No, here it is. Uh, right before this thing came out or like right as it started rolling out, right? They, they need all the publicity they can get to try to get this thing big to pay their writers so that when the writers finally give up and say, okay, I guess we'll just take the way too much money for the shitty job we have um, work. When they come back, their their writers won't all leave them. Right before this uh, all happened, fucking Rolling Stone put out an article (laughs) canceling Jimmy Fallon again. So I'd like to read some of this. It's called Chaos Comedy and Crying Rooms Inside Jimmy Fallon's Tonight Show. Now, here's the thing. I thought Jimmy Fallon was already canceled, right? I don't know if you know. this. Is, here's the news story. I'm just going to summarize this news story. We'll read it a little bit in the full episode. but Because uh, I know. like They're keeping it secret who they're talking to. Rolling Stone is like not revealing their sources. I know who some of these people are. I know exactly, like any of the people they could have contacted. Again, I know people who work at the Tonight Show. I know for a fact who a couple of these people are. This story is incredibly funny. This is basically, you know how Russell Brand has the rape allegations right now? This is the news going, okay, we can't get Fallon on rape just yet. What's the next best thing? How about a woman crying? 
will take it. Yay! I don't know if you guys have ever had a job before, but there is no job on earth where women don't cry. Back when I first started working at Starbucks years ago, I'll never forget my first day of work at Starbucks. This Starbucks was managed by, and all Starbucks are, by the way. If you ever wonder why Starbucks is so gay and shitty, it's because they're all managed by women. The top workers at every Starbucks location are usually women and also gay guys, which are basically women. My first day on the job, this is in New York City. I go in there. <laughs> I'm not I'm not kidding. Two different girls on the floor run to the back room to cry. While I'm on my break, the back room is filled with coffee beans. So you have to have your break in inside this tiny little claw. I mean it's like a you would be better off in the janitor's closet next to a mop. I was sitting next to a mop because one of the girls working I think they do this just like women take crying breaks the way a guy takes a smoke break. You know what I mean? She ran back there to cry. So I'm direct. I, it's This is a stranger to me. I've met her for the first time today. I don't even remember her name because I never learned any of my coworkers' names. I never think of them as being somebody who will be in my life for very long. So I'm sitting next to her. She's sobbing, snot going down her nose, right? I'm just trying to eat my peanut butter sandwich. And... She is absolutely losing it. And she just starts talking out loud like I need to hear. Again, she might as well be telling me a dream she had. The customers are so... And I'm thinking, like, this is my first day. Is this, is Starbucks really this shitty? And it, the answer is yes. It turns out it is the worst job of all time. But that's every job. 20 minutes later, a different girl ran to the back to cry. Because the job was too much pressure for her. 20 minutes later, completely separate girl, completely separate incident. 30 minutes after that, the manager of the store, who was a woman, went into the back to cry. <laughs> Three women, one day. Okay, one of them, the store manager, the key holder. Then, the next day, the next time I work... I'm working there. There's a gay guy working there. He goes into the back to cry during my lunch break. And he and he's a guy. So like he, he's a gay guy, but he's a guy. He thinks like I'm going to say something. Like he wants to talk to me about it. I'm like, I don't even know what coffee is yet. I just started working here. I don't know what a French press is. Please leave me alone. So this Rolling Stone story about Jimmy Fallon is literally just everyone's job ever with women. And this is newsworthy. Now, silly me, I remember that Horatio Sands, Jimmy Fallon's partner on SNL, got canceled for, uh, what was it again? Um, statutory rape. Right, yeah. No, he brought a, a teenage girl to the wild, famous SNL after party, got her drunk, put her on her, his lap, was groping her. And who else was there? Oh, yeah. Jimmy Fallon. And who else was groping her? Oh, yeah, Jimmy Fallon. I believe there's actually a court case about this. I believe some hush money was paid. But what's even scarier than that? A girl crying. So Jimmy Fallon gets canceled during this. And now you don't hear shit 
about this terrible podcast anymore. So I'd been already planning to do this for a couple of weeks, right? When this first came out, it's actually been maybe a month now. I was planning to do this, and now this isn't on anybody's tongue anymore. Nobody's talking about the terrible podcast anymore. So this will be fun. This <laughs> this is this is way out of date. Uh, and let's just go ahead. Well, I mean, let's see what we're in for here. Let's give the uh, freebie people, the freeloaders, a taste of the horrific nature of what we're in for. What would happen? If five of America's top 11 most beloved talk show hosts all talked on top of each other for an hour. Why is it so quiet? This is, man, that is pumped all the way up. Okay. We're about to find out on the first ever edition of Strike Force 5. Let's meet the Strike Force, starting with the former host of The Late Show with Stephen Colbert from his headquarters in South Carolina, Stephen Colbert. Hello, Jimmy. It's an honor to be here. So you, you hear that? The, the former host. So that's the joke is like they're all out of work right now. They're getting paid millions to do nothing. That's already in their contract, right? They're getting paid one way or the other. This is where we should all applaud each other. It is an honor to be with you here, Stephen. Next from his home studio in Long Island, where he stays up late every night recording himself singing along with the Bee Gees karaoke, the former host of The Tonight Show, Jimmy Fallon. Hello, Jimmy Fallon. Hey, thank you so much. Happy to be here. This is exciting. Whoa! I got excited, very excited to see all of this. I'm happy to be here. 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 Somebody, we got to clip that. Hang on a second. We got to clip that. I got to get that for the soundboard. Somebody clip this. Jimmy Fallon. Hello, Jimmy Fallon. Hey, thank you so much. Happy to be here. This is so uh, happy. To be I can never get a clean happy to be here. So uh, happy to be here. Lappy to be here, really? So you're L2BH. Jimmy Fallon. Hello, Jimmy Fallon. Hey, thank you so much. Happy to be here. This is exciting. Uh, good, good morning. Well, you know it's exciting because he told you it's exciting. I can't. How did we listen? We are so incredibly lucky that Jimmy Fallon wasn't introduced simply by hearing him giggle in the background. I think it was by the grace of Zoom's noise suppression that prevented that. By the way, these guys couldn't even get together in the same room to do this. You know they recorded all these back-to-back, -to -back too. This was all done in an afternoon. They did every episode. There's probably like eight episodes of this shit. They never are going to do another one. They recorded all at the same time. And thank God for Zoom because we're not hearing Jimmy Fallon go, oh, geez, uh, that's like, that's crazy. No, I mean, you can't, you can't be serious about this. No, Ariana Grande is really. To the listeners, for the purposes of this podcast, Jimmy will be known as Tammy from here on. And then Jimmy's <laughs> upstairs TV neighbor. Fans of this show know him as the cute one, the Nick Carter to our Backstreet Boys, Unemployment Zone, Seth Meyers. Seth? He's just so excited. Are you talking. kidding me? He's the cute. Hang on a second. Seth Myers, the creature known as Seth Myers, is the cute one. You're not doing good when Seth Myers is the cute one. I don't know if you've seen Seth Myers lately, okay? Seth Myers, you know, he's whatever, fine. There is something going. He's a mega mind. <laughs> okay, hang on. I'm trying to find a picture of him. Yeah, let's open up an image. Uh, Seth Myers, at some point in his life, became. A literal mega mind. Oh, Lord. Look at that. 
what is going on? His head, it, that's not a receding hairline. That's not a Norwood. His head got bigger. I mean, I, listen, I don't know if anybody else has been tracking the uh, Seth Meyers forehead situation, but I've been watching it for a long, long time. <laughs> and I can guarantee you that forehead is growing an inch every year. So he's the cute one. Before 1237 at night. Say hello to the lady, Seth. Tell us, what color are your eyes? I, I looked at pictures of you for a lot of the night last night. I can't figure it out. I've been told ocean blue, Jimmy. Mm -hmm. And for those who will criticize... These are the funniest guys in television. ...besides us who say we don't need a show. These are the funniest guys without writers in television. Hosted by a group of four middle-aged straight you white... You thought the writers were bad? ...white men. We bring you a... Oh, did he just do it? Did he do the straight white men thing? ...hosted by a group of four middle-aged straight white men. We bring you a fifth middle-aged straight white man, but this one is from England which is an entirely different country. He is the currently force majeure former host of last week tonight, John Oliver. Oh. Hello, John. Oh, and now your blood boils, right? Hello, Kimmel. At first, I'd say Seth's eyes are Gatorade blue, but, you know, reasonable people can disagree. Also, I cannot believe you're the only one who gets to have a soundboard. I didn't know we were doing soundboards. That changes everything. As we mentioned, we, we are the Strike Force 5. Wow, so I really thought that John Oliver would come in there and go, you know, start comparing uh, everybody to, uh, he looks like, uh, and then it's, you know, he does a lot of looks like humor, similar to ROTC. There's a lot of looks like humor. A ba he's a, he's a, a bathtub. Uh, I don't know. I can't do it. I don't have writers. I don't have Josh Gondelman writing it for me, and neither does he right now, so he doesn't have it. I hate the looks like thing. He looks like uh, a bathtub filled with uh, you who... Uh, in the Serengeti, something. So I, I listen. I'm gonna be honest with you. Here's what just happened. Okay, I'm thinking. Ooh, well, I gotta. We gotta send this over to the primo, and we gotta say goodbye to the preview people. And then I look at the time on this podcast. We're one minute and fifty three seconds in, and there's over an hour to go. An hour and four minutes to go on this. I don't know that I can do it. I don't think I will survive. survive. So here's the thing. Join the pizza fund, potawful.pizza. Get instant access to all of our primo content uh, within the level there. If you join the $12 level, you can watch the full episode here. I can only promise you, though, <laughs> here's what I can tell you. Usually, when I say goodbye to the preview people, Usually, you can be guaranteed there's like another two hours of show to go. Maybe three, sometimes longer. Hour and a half at the very least. It is very possible that I give up on this instantly. That if you join the pizza fund, you will gain access to not only 13 to 14 years worth of content, but you will also gain access to a show that ends immediately after this. All right, so no promises. You're on your own. We're going to go over the Rolling Stone article as well. Podawful.pizza.
Support the show. Join the pizza fun. Potawful.pizza. Pizza, pizza. 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 Potawful.pizza. P-I-C-C-A.